0: through itunes don't expect any mercy during the great robot wars and Peter radio brought to you by machines returning to normal broadcast in three, two, one.
1: the opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of kuci its management or the uc board of regents to find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on kuci log on to our website at kuci.org or check out the latest program guide
2: You're listening to Real People of Orange County, and I'm your host, Kimberly Martin. This show is a fun and informative look inside the lives of Orange County's best and brightest. These are people who serve their community in a meaningful capacity on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Well, hello and Happy New Year. This is Kimberly Martin and I am live in the studio today and it is very exciting to be here on this January 7th. It's actually my husband's birthday. I will be dashing out of here and making a fabulous dinner for him to celebrate. My uh, lovely husband who supports me and lets me come and meet with you and greet with you every week and he reminds me, hey honey, you're not making any money doing this. And I said, well honey, this is a labor of love and sometimes, you just need to stand up and do something about certain things, and this is my give back to the community. So I am going on now what is now my fifth year doing this show for you, Real People OC, and I've enjoyed every minute of it. You know, at first it started out just being a little, hey, let's do something different with my time. I always wanted a talk show and never got around to doing it, and so finally just made this be, you know, something that I could do with you. And um, I'm really enjoying it, but really what it has developed into over the years, I'll share with you, has been an, an excuse to meet remarkable people here in Orange County. And what I find is that there is no shortage of remarkable people here in Orange County. And I think you um, are lucky to be joining us to hear about what some of these people are doing. And Labors of love. Wow, we can just we can we can call it that all day long. But the truth of the matter is, is there are people that have their career, their day life, and then there—that's how they spend their um, their private time, which sometimes develops into a career. But oftentimes, you just become a volunteer and you stand up and you do what's right. And so. I'm not sure if many of you are aware of this, but there, there's an issue that I've been wanting to tackle on the airwaves but have been reluctant to do so because it's, it's kind of unpleasant, folks. And um, sometimes you just need to have the courage to stare the unpleasantness in the face, take a really good hard look at it, and then ask those around us what we can do to make a difference. So today I'm going to say that we're announcing a new series. We've done this before. Um, It's going to be a four-part series on human trafficking and it is going to um, in large part help us understand the problem as it relates to us locally here in Orange County. Now this is a huge national international issue but I don't want to bring a problem to you without helping you be a part of the solution. And so hopefully today we will work together, listen to the problem, and then work together to find some solutions. So be looking forward to a four-part series on human trafficking. Um, The way that I feel very blessed is I ran into a lady... Jasmine Shoda and did I do it (laughs) Shoda and um, Jasmine just lovely lady I'm so excited to to know her and uh, she has brought along with her Dr. Sandra Morgan for the Global Center for Women and Justice now Jasmine just recently chaired the Priceless Luncheon for the Global Center for Women and Justice this is at Vanguard University and Dr. Sandra Morgan Morgan is the director of that center and so both of them bring a passion and uh a career, really, for Dr. Sandra Morgan in helping us to understand what we need to do as a community and a society, both locally and nationally, uh, to address the issue of human trafficking. You know, a lot of us hear that term, but we don't actually know what it is, so I've brought these ladies in to give us a little bit of a background, and then you'll hear more about who these extraordinary women are as we go along in the hour. I am excited to share, however, that Jasmine uh, holds her MBA from here at University of California, Irvine, from the Paul Mirage School of Business, and uh, she's played a very important role over there. She's a charter and visionary member of the Mirage School of Business Dean's Leadership Circle. So we're always really proud of our. UCI students and so it's a really big deal for us when we get to bring somebody in and share that part of their career and their life with us here at uh, KUCI. So um, if you're just tuning in this is 88.9 FM in Irvine and I am your host Kimberly Martin. I have with me Dr. Sandra Morgan, Director of Global Center for Women and Justice and Jasmine Shoja from uh, Wells Fargo Bank and um, an an ardent advocate and volunteer for uh, the Global Center for Women and Justice. Ladies, thank you for coming. I'm so glad you're here.
3: Thank you for having us. Thank it's you. A, it's a great. wonderful occasion to talk about human trafficking issues. Um, this month is the Human Trafficking Month, so it's a perfect timing for your four-series program.
2: Perfect. Okay, well, so I um, let's start with you, Dr. Morgan, because we're my touch point for you was through the luncheon and that is a really excellent way to get in touch with people to show them what the problem is i was blown away um but what you do for human trafficking is so much more than than what we learned at the luncheon maybe you can start by telling us what you do and then we can delve into the problem here in orange county would that be okay
4: sure that sounds great thank you again for um inviting this uh opportunity for us to be here, and Jasmine for introducing me to Kimberly. This is great. For me, It's super important for our community to understand what the issue is, what it looks like right here in our own neighborhood. And our mantra at the Global Center for Women and Justice is study the issues, be a voice, make a difference. Because if we haven't looked at it and understood it and done our homework, we often say the wrong thing and do the wrong thing and can cause more harm than good. In Orange County, we've had a task force that started Uh, late 2004 to begin to assemble and um, was able to actually get some federal funding in 2006 and then became an officially um, sponsored uh, grant-funded task force from the Department of Justice in 2008 and because of that we probably have among the most informed and trained law enforcement agencies, victim service uh, providers. We partner with Salvation Army, with community service programs, with the um, Orange County District Attorney, FBI, Homeland Security, and our community our task force is a community-based task force and every month there is an informational meeting that you can attend if you go to ochumantrafficking.com you can check out the calendar and that is an open meeting to find out what is going on and how you can become a volunteer what human trafficking looks like in our own community is often something we don't understand because we've been seeing the movies and the television um, episodes around foreign trafficking, what's happening in Southeast Asia, sex trafficking of small children, labor trafficking on um, fishing boats in Thailand. But those are really important at the same time I am very passionate about equipping my own community to understand what human trafficking is and the Trafficking Victims Protection Act passed in 2000 and it has three parts to it an action a means and a purpose and if you begin to think in those three columns because I'm not I'm not a judge I'm not an attorney, so I want things to be pretty simple. And the action is going to be how someone is recruited or obtained or transported. The means is the um, whether they used fraud or force or coercion; those three elements. And then the purpose is for labor or for sexual exploitation. And I don't want to use the word prostitution because there is a sense of um, self-agency in prostitution. And in human trafficking, commercial sexual exploitation is when someone is sexually exploited so that someone else can make a profit. So those are the three categories of elements that you want to have in your mind when you're looking at your own community to see if human trafficking exists. And I tell you, Kimberly, I love that you started this show with, uh, we're going to have fun and we're going to learn something. But when you push my button, I'm a teacher and I start talking. So you're going to have to tell me um, if you want to have a a word in edgewise. (laughs) Well, this show is I hope at the very least a forum
2: for people like you to share your message oh thank you and that's the most important thing for me is that we get out all the good work that you are are doing and I know Jasmine you have some feelings about that
3: absolutely and who better than Sandra Morgan to um, tell us about this she has a powerful way of talking about a project that usually isn't pleasant but she teaches you along the way and you become an advocate um, just naturally and you learn quite a bit about it and you can't help but to do something about it.
2: Well and I would imagine that's how you got swept up too just as I was very engaged by Dr. Morgan's message and and the story that you share and I we won't take the time to share it today but maybe further down in the series that we're doing for uh, the month of awareness that we're building thank you for mentioning that about the hands and I just love that so much Um, so well Dr. Morgan like I said let's take this time to give everybody a really good understanding and then we'll share the message especially while you're here Jasmine because you were swept up with that passion and I don't want to say you're one woman because you just happen to be a really extraordinary one woman <laughs> <Such a kind. laughs> but mm. um, so so it's it, I I want to also empower people and volunteers and that's, that's why you're here today is to let people know how they can really meaningfully become involved in a way that it doesn't take over their whole life. You know, Dr. Morgan, you've committed your life to this. You travel all over the world for these issues and not everybody can do that. I think one of the reasons why me as an everyday citizen had a hard time wanting to turn and look at it is because I felt it to be too overwhelming to know what to do and mm-hmm. the only thing I could do is protect my family. And um, and now, you know, as my family is growing and, I, you know, feeling safer in the world with everybody, I, I do want to find ways to help. And so this is this is our start. So So take it away.
4: <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, I do want to thank Jasmine because she has taken her activism beyond awareness and one of the important things i want people to know is january there is proclaimed by the president and observed by the 15 federal interagency task force as national slavery and human trafficking prevention month and that's here in January, That's right. all the whole month of January. And the reason I say that so slowly is I want people to understand that awareness is not enough. When Jasmine learned about this, she's great to have here. She's like a model example. Um, when she learned about it, it wasn't enough to know about it. She had to do something. Now, she doesn't have a law enforcement background, but she has a business background and she's brilliant at it by the way so she started hanging out with me coming to my office finding out what it is you're doing talking about a business model and things that I don't understand and by partnering we've been able to make some major (coughs) sorry adjustments and and steps forward to grow what we are able to do with the Global Center for Women and Justice particularly in the area of prevention
2: That's one of the things that I found to be so important about your overall message at the luncheon. So um, take us for a second. Do you want to clear your throat? Um, Jasmine, the luncheon is an annual luncheon. It's called the Priceless Luncheon. Um, Lots of parts to that. We're going to get into it. But um,
3: it was a a place to get people like me involved, really, wasn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. That's right. Our luncheon was basically focused, normally luncheons and such are normally focused just on fundraising. Our luncheon was focused on creating awareness for those who were there, as well as those beyond who would read about it here in Orange County, as well as California, and possibly, hopefully, over on across the country. Um, but this was the third year we had this luncheon. And this year, it was overwhelming because we sold out two weeks before the yeah, event. It was this amazing. Doesn't happen with non-profit events that, as you said, topic is heavy. Um, And we were sad to have to tell people, sorry, there's no more room. Um, But we had such an overwhelming... um, uh, response for people coming, and despite the weather not cooperating and air conditioning shutting down on us and such, uh, even at such a wonderful venue that we had, but uh, w- w- people weren't leaving, and they never noticed that it was maybe quite hot in the in the program, and and I have to say it a lot of it had to do with the team that put it together as well as the um, uh, the program that uh, Sandy helped deliver she changes the topic of becoming difficult how you can empower one person and uh, just everyone to not only be aware but the education becomes so powerful and everybody wanted to stand up and do something. And we raised more than three times that what we had raised the years before. And we anticipate to grow the program again this year. And it's held every September. Um, we can't hold it in January. It's too too early in the year to hold it. So we want to hold it in September. We're going to continue to do that. And this coming year will be September 17th.
2: Very good. Well, the overarching message that I remember from that day, and and I guess that's why that's why it intrigued me so much was the it was hopeful because your approach to helping and intersecting human trafficking here in Orange County is through educating healthcare providers for the leading indicators of how they might might spot somebody when they come through the system. Um, let's talk a little bit about that because that's your background as a nurse.
4: Yes, that's right. My background is pediatric nurse. And the very first victim of commercial sexual exploitation of children, which is one category uh, that is commonly referred to as child sex trafficking, we didn't even have the terminology when I was a night charge nurse in pediatrics and a 14-year-old boy was admitted and his mother and stepfather were selling him for substance abuse. And this is a story that I've heard now over and over and over again. So there are a lot of myths out there that um, people are going to come and kidnap your children. But often there are elements in that child's life that makes them more vulnerable. And it can be that they have someone in their family that has a substance abuse issue and that makes them vulnerable. It can be they are runaways because there's been domestic violence at home and they're just trying to find a way to get out of that. And then they're vulnerable because now they're, they're practically homeless and they're looking for a place to stay. And when someone offers them, um, you can be part of our group, you can come and stay with us, and then they begin to groom them and begin to sell them. And the, the aspect of commercial sexual exploitation is so heinous to think that you would sell um, a child or a woman or a man and their dignity, um, that it's an outrage, and I don't think there's anyone that can can be quiet, can be silent in that context. I think educating health care providers is a sp- Especially significant, not just because of my own background, but because there's research that shows that victims, especially in the U.S., domestic victims, have been seen by a health care provider and their trafficker was standing next to them. They needed treatment because of a sexually transmitted disease, because of a work injury, um, because of, of being sick, and because they're considered property, and they have a function, the The trafficker wants them to be able to work so they get what limited treatment they can through walk-in clinics, um, most likely, where they don't have to provide too much information. And so it's important for frontline service providers, EMTs, nurses, emergency room doctors, to recognize the signs.
2: Okay, so that's something I would imagine we're gonna spend a little time learning about because We may not be able to reach everybody through an educational program, but can we talk a little bit about, because I think this is really important, you have so much support um, for you and your efforts over there at Vanguard University through the Global Center. Can we talk a little bit about how that came about and what its intended purpose was? was was for when they they started the Global Center?
4: Oh, yeah, that would be great. Actually, two professors, Dr. Sherry Benvenuti and Dr. Elizabeth Leonard, were the co-founders. And Dr. Uh, Benvenuti is an ethics professor. Um, She did her PhD at USC. And Dr. Elizabeth Leonard is uh, from UC Riverside. And she did her research by interviewing 42 women who were in prison for killing their batterers. And she opened up an entire new look at domestic violence and women as victims of violence who then fought back and now they're serving time. And learning their stories and beginning to understand how family violence, domestic violence, contributes to so many other issues for children and in our society. And I had been living in Greece, where my husband was teaching at a theological school, and we came back at the end of 2004, and Dr. Leonard invited me to come and speak at Vanguard. And we began to understand the connections between human trafficking and domestic violence and discovered there was a woman in her prison study who the person that she had been arrested as being um, uh, an accessory, even though she actually wasn't, but she had spent 22 years in prison because she had been uh, arrested for killing her trafficker. And when she was discovered, because the Trafficking Victims Protection Act existed then, um, an attorney, pro bono attorney, took her case. She was exonerated, um, released from prison, and received a, a T visa and is now a U.S. citizen and helping other people. And so the the center kind of grew out of understanding that we had these kinds of issues together and I was invited to come and work at the center but um, you know in 2007 a lot of people had financial challenges and so did Vanguard sure and you know what happened no
2: you went I lost my job at Vanguard (laughs) Uh uh-huh
4: and within 24 hours they offered me the position to be the administrator of the Orange County Human Trafficking Task Force. Impressive. (laughs) And so I moved um, into that role, which gave me an opportunity to learn how to combat human trafficking from a criminal justice perspective and from a victim service provider, which really equipped me to do what we do now at the Global Center for Women and Justice.
3: Sandy you touch on a very important uh, point here throughout describing the history of how this all came about that uh, there's been so many changes in the legal system in the uh, law enforcement systems and education system now the research that is being done at a center such as Global Center for Women and Justice which is it seems to be the one of the more prominent uh, groups that in the country that is doing such research about human trafficking is providing a uh, Bases and grounds for laws to be changed uh, on how traffickers are dealt with and how victims are dealt with uh, through the legal system, through the law enforcement system, through the healthcare systems, and beyond that, uh, through the community of how does um, the population look at the whole situation um, to be. To be honest with you, originally when I heard about this, it's just it became a fear that, um, God forbid, if anybody has children, they end up having such a fear as soon as they hear about it that, oh my goodness, what happens if this happens to my child? And I did not want to lose sleep over it. I have an issue with having fear. I don't like to live in fear, period. Um, So that was probably my personal trigger to get involved. But to see that the research-based... Um, group that you have has made so many has helped make so many changes so do you want to talk a little bit about yeah. the changes that you've I, your, you and your group has caused that would be phenomenal
4: I absolutely love the environment at Vanguard because they they nurture my desire to find answers and allow me the privilege to um, ask questions and bring together leaders to find out find answers. So in two thousand eleven I was invited to go to Las Vegas to meet with Judge William Boy, who wanted to know what we were doing, and there was a great deal of frustration about how are we addressing our own domestic sex trafficking problems and particularly children and so i had our own nationally our our own own nationally
2: okay nationally for the united states for the
4: united states yes and he's in las vegas and our kids from california end up being trafficked in las vegas that that's kind of like a no-brainer and so but we also know um in Los Angeles and San Diego, they're on the FBI top three list Um for sex trafficking and of course Orange County is sandwiched in between and so the traffickers don't go around so we 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 are part of that hub and so having this conversation he pulled out his calendar and he said so this idea of having a summit and investigating these and getting the counties to begin to look at this together with all of the juvenile justice providers I like that idea he pulls out his calendar when will we do it and um uh, that was August, and we held our first juvenile justice summit in October two thousand and eleven. and we had we had judges and probation and juvenile um, child welfare probation officers in one room answering questions. Two years later, we expanded it, and we included more counties. We had more judges, and we brought Department of Education because, the the point i wanted to make at the beginning this is national slavery and human trafficking prevention month so if you only work with law enforcement you're always working at the end of things um i'm a nurse i'm all about public health and prevention i want you to get your vaccination kimberly did you get your flu shot i did good girl
0: Oh dear!
4: Uh. Don't look at me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we wanted to start getting more of our child welfare and our Department of Education involved, and we began to understand that the kids with the most risk were those kids who didn't have a stable home. Jasmine, your kids are fine. They're 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 in a really good place. Vulnerability had a lot to do with kids who were missing school. They were usually missing school because their parents had issues. These are kids who have had 10, 15 placements in, in nine months. Um, these are placements into like a foster care home? Yes, okay. and group homes. And uh, one young woman I spoke to had run away from a group home only to be recruited by uh, a trafficker and she was 14 and on it on, a, on another show we can talk about risk factors for teenagers because their brains aren't done their brains are definitely not done. yes that's raising right. a couple of and them. there's and there's physical evidence mm-hmm. um, to show that but getting the opportunity to ask those questions and produce um, reports that then are used to guide more conversation. That is a privilege and a great opportunity to be part of the solution. And because if you don't understand why it's happening, how are you going to figure out how to stop it from happening? And it's such
3: a large, painful sort of a topic that sometimes we just rather put our head in the sand and say, no, 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 it's not happening to me. No, 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 it's not in my environment. It's not in Orange County, it's not in California.
4: But it is. Let me tell you, in Orange County, in the last few years, we've assisted over 450 survivors from 36 countries. And every year, we rescue minors. Um, These are under 18 that are being commercially sexually exploited. And the DA... Our district attorney started a special unit called the Human Exploitation and Trafficking Unit in um, 2012, 2013, and I spoke to one of the um, prosecutors recently, and they have over 90 convictions in Orange County.
2: A staggering, and I know that number is small compared to what it needs to be. I'm going to pause for a moment. If you're just tuning in, this is Real People OC, and I'm your host, Kimberly Martin. And I have the pleasure of having with me today, Jasmine Shoja and Dr. Sandra Morgan, both with the Global Center for Women and Justice at Vanguard University. And... It's interesting, the presidential proclamation that came out uh, naming National Slavery and Human Trafficking Prevention Month uh, here for January is what we're addressing, and we're going to address this topic with a four-part series. Today we're talking in general to just give you an idea of what the issues are as it relates to Orange County. and. In some small way, how we might use ourselves to identify some of these um, risky situations for people that may be in our own lives, um, and to figure out ways that we can help as well. In addition to that, um, we will be addressing this through the legal um, lens, so we will have a judge that comes, uh, comes to us later in the series. And we'll also be talking with law enforcement to see what some of their challenges are and how we might be able to buttress uh, some of their efforts as a community as well. So, back to you, Dr. Morgan. Um, you were talking about the numbers. 90 is a small, a small number in, in comparison to what we're dealing with, isn't it? 90 convictions. Well, and,
4: and those are um, all mostly uh, commercial sexual exploitation. Many of them are Um, convictions for adult victims of of sexual exploitation, what we are missing greatly is finding labor trafficking victims. The first case that we did in Orange County was a 12-year-old Egyptian child who was a household slave in a $1.6 million Irvine home, gated community. Wow, And Shima was rescued, and this is why I want people to listen to this. She was rescued not because law enforcement was out looking for her. She was rescued because a neighbor noticed that a little girl at that house where there were five children, one of the kids didn't go to school. And she called and reported it. And when you see something that doesn't look right, Shima didn't speak English. She never left um, uh, to go to school. She worked all the time. You could see her carrying in the trash, um, cans, things like that. And so the neighbor called. And if you see something that just doesn't look right in your neighborhood, there is a hotline number that you can call. It is Eight, 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 and because that's a national human trafficking resource center hotline, it is our. It's it's funded with um, health and human services in Washington D.C. In two thousand fourteen, the latest year we have stats for, they received twenty one thousand four hundred and thirty one hotline calls and of those calls and people ask me this well I don't want to call Jasmine because I'm I might be wrong well you might be but you might be right and of those 21 more than 21,000 calls over 5,000 were human trafficking cases
3: wow that's a 25% in the US. Yeah, ratio, which is genius. Which which math genius. Through my involvement, I've I've learned that there's a complete brainwashing that goes on with the victims themselves where they are placed in fear of um, what will happen to them and how horrible the other side may be so they end up remaining in their environment just managed through fear. And the break of their dignity but this dignity can be rebuilt and just needs someone out there to go ahead and reach out and pull them out of there and give them the opportunity
4: and I have to tell you Jasmine I love that passion for dignity this is something I've had survivors say to me that you believe that I'm worth something just that's it just to give a
3: glimpse of hope Mm. from within to these people who have just completely been broken and yes you do tell me yes no problem my kids will be fine but I'm a human I think this is a project this is this is a problem that is completely bipartisan it's completely well hopefully it's it's across all religions that they all hopefully they all decided this is something completely inhumane Um, hopefully across all cultures they accept that this is inhumane but takes a nation to pull their head out of a sand and want to look at it as if it is a problem and want to get educated about it just so they can speak up comfortably and pick up the phone and want to learn about it, want to listen to the podcast, want to know the statistics. It's changing the culture. Mm.
2: Right, right. So, uh we're going to be drawing down on our time here shortly because we have some a sporting event that we're going to do, so we're going to make sure we get to some of these bigger issues. But if you would, I thought it was interesting, the first paragraph of the proclamation from the president. Would you read that, Dr. Morgan?
4: 150 years ago, our nation codified the fundamental truth that slavery is an affront to human dignity. Still, the bitter fact remains that millions of men Women and children around the globe, including here at home, are subject to modern-day slavery, the cruel, inhumane practice of human trafficking. This month, we rededicate ourselves to assisting victims of human trafficking and to combating it in all its forms. can I make one comment about this proclamation? It is national slavery and human trafficking, not just national human trafficking. And I'd like to explain that. Please. Um, trafficking, as a term, was chosen in this particular issue by the UN uh, protocol that was also passed in in two thousand, and the Trafficking Victims Protection Act here because it was already being used as a term that everyone recognized when you're selling something that is not supposed to be sold so we talk about arms and weapons trafficking we talk about drug trafficking and we talk about human trafficking human trafficking is the commercial um, sale and transfer of people as though they were products but slavery is an It's the part we aren't talking about very much that is more and more um, becoming really important to me for us to shine a light on. And that's why I love the beginning of this proclamation, because we said 150 years ago that slavery is over. And yet, in human trafficking, slavery is that aspect of this transaction where now that person belongs <clears throat> and I'm using air quotes I know your listeners can't see that to someone else they've been sold to someone that someone else is the end user this is the people these are the people that held Shima as a household slave in Irvine these are the people who have slaves in our field, agricultural fields or in textile factories or in a restaurant or in a hotel kitchen washing dishes or changing linens these are the end users and i would challenge our listeners to think of sex purchasers as end users so they're not the ones selling this woman or this boy or this little girl but they are the purchaser and they are the end user
3: or if you're purchasing an item that was produced by a by a slave so we are talking about this in 2016 right it's we crazy. still have sta- slaves in this day and age. Um, one of the interviews
2: I've done in the past was with uh, Kathy Tillotson. She's the director of Build Futures. It's a nonprofit organization out of Huntington Beach that helps to target youth of um, youth of the. Um oh I always drop it come on in. <laughs> um, youth that are of the 19 to 21 age and she said it took three days before they were trafficked three Yeah. and so that was so shocking to me that I just was uh, we've got to do something about it so here at KUCI stay tuned for us here at Real People OC uh, we'll be bringing back Dr. Sandra Morgan um, from the Global Center for Women and Justice at Vanguard University and we're going to be digging really deep into this issue so listen everybody stay tuned thank you so much and um, ladies thank you for being here to help tackle this really important issue thank you for the invitation thank you all right um, stay tuned for women's basketball
5: 10, every Sunday now.
0: This is Sheldon Abbott. I'd like to tell you about my Monday morning blues music show, Cure for the Blues. Tune in online or here at 88.9 FM Monday mornings from 10 to noon. Or I'll play blues music that will touch your heart and soul. It'll make you feel good. That's why it's called Cure. Cure for the Blues, KUCI 88.9 FM locally, and streaming online at KUCI.org. Hey, what are you listening to? <laughs> uh. Tune in to shut Yo middle mouth here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine for more of whatever that was, every Sunday, midnight to 2 a.m.
1: from the Student Recreation Center on the campus of the University of California Riverside. Anteater basketball is on the air. Darren Preston with you and Happy New Year Part 2. It is the start of a brand new season as we jump into Big West Conference play tonight against what could be the best team in the conference the way they're playing right now, the UC Riverside Highlanders. We've talked a little bit about Hawaii and Long Beach State being up there in the non-conference season, but this team very battle tested, they're very healthy right now. They've been uh, excellent at the top of the Big West in recent years. They got through the non-conference schedule. Riverside did seven and seven, and they played the Pac-12 five times. So they are battle tested, and they also have the top two scores in the conference. In Rajan Veron, 17.9 points per game, and Brittany Crane. A past Big West player and newcomer of the year. Crane averaging 17.6 points per game. As for the Anteaters, 3-11 through the non-conference schedule. Mokun for Jemison, 9 points a game, 8.3 rebounds per contest. Number 3 in the Big West, also the Big West leader in block shots with 20. Now, she has sat out the last two contests with a leg injury, but... We are expecting to see her tonight in some fashion. Meanwhile, Shireen Sutherland, we are proud to see her back in the lineup uh, in the Cal State Bakersfield game to end non-conference. She sat out in the USC game, Sutherland did, and she got back into playing time up at Cal State Bakersfield. She was on the court 15 minutes uh, against the Roadrunners six days ago. Raylan Chung, sun back back-to-back lead in the Anteaters with 11 and 10 points in the uh, two recent uh, road games last week. And Irene Chavez, back-to-back eight-point game for the Anteaters. As UC Irvine looks to snap a six-game slide uh, overall. This is the last of a six-game road trip, season-long six-game road trip. We'll be back with you in the Brent Center. Haven't been there in a very long time as the Anteaters uh, have their Big West home opener on Saturday against the team they played well against last year. In fact, they played well against the uh, Highlanders last year. The Anteaters did. And uh, UC Irvine will get Cal Poly at home at 2 o'clock on Saturday. We'll go on the air right here on the FM station beginning at 1.45 for our pregame, t- for a pre-game show, and we'll have a chat with head coach Doug Oliver. So, Mokun for Jemison. Hope to have her back tonight. Uh, nine points a game. 8.3 rebounds and atop The uh, Big West with 20 block shots on the season. Ray Lynn Chung Sutton this week. The anteater starting point guard. 82 total assists on the year. That ranks 16th across the country. And she also... Uh, is at the top in assist-to-turnover ratio, as she was last year in the Big West. So, uh, very good starting point guard for the Anteaters and the only one to start every single game this year for head coach Doug Oliver. This is a very tough UC Riverside team. It usually is. They've won a couple of Big West championships in the last decade. At the helm is John Margaritis. And uh, former Big West Coach of the Year, in fact, on two different occasions. And the Highlanders leading the Big West in almost uh, every category. They lead it in field goal percentage, three-point shooting at 35%. They're the best free throw shooting in the conference. Also assists and turnovers at the top of the Big West in the non-conference schedule. And they also put in almost 74 points per game to lead the Big West, and they've done it against some very good teams. Again, five teams from the Pac-12, and they also played very well in a 92-70 win recently up at a very good Seattle University team, and coming off an 85-67 win at Grand Canyon, a team that came into the Brent Center and won. And for only the second time in their Division One history, the Highlanders had two different players record a double-double uh, in that contest. And, of course, it was the uh, the uh, top two scorers for UCR, Varon and Crane. Uh, Crane, Big West player of the year last year and coming into tonight's ballgame, 17.6 points per game as well as six rebounds and has made a Big West high 34 three-pointers on the year. At the end of the year, she should become the all-time leading three-point maker in the history of UC Riverside basketball and is already number three in their school's history in career scoring, 300 300 points away uh, from the all-time lead. Let's take our first pregame timeout, come back, and I have a couple of questions for head coach Doug Oliver and pregame show in Riverside, California. Big West opener, UC Irvine, visiting UC Riverside, 88.9 FM, KUCI.
5: Life. What would you miss most if cancer took it all away? Big moments? Small ones? The American Cancer Society Relay for Life fights for all
4: the things that make life worth living. (laughs) For laughter. For friendships.
0: For another day cancer-free.
4: For date night.
0: For my daughter's smile.
4: Relay for Life. Because there's so much to live for. Donate now to save more lives at relay.org.
0: McGruff the Crime Dog here with my nephew,
1: Scruff. Here's the address for my new free comic activity book.
5: Scruff, McGruff, Chicago, Illinois, 60652. Scruff, McGruff, Chicago, Illinois, 60652.
1: It shows kids what to do about guns and drugs and bullies and strangers. And it's got games and puzzles, too. Write it down now.
5: Scruff, McGruff, Chicago, Illinois, 60652.
1: A public service message from this station, the U.S. Department of Justice, the Crime Prevention Coalition, and the Ad Council. The
5: Claire Trevor School of the Arts has many dance, drama, music, and studio arts performances throughout the school year on the campus of UC Irvine. Events range from student ensembles to master classes given by professionals throughout the year that are open to the public. For more information on events and ticket prices, visit www.arts.uci.edu. I wish I was in school. I wish I was in school.
0: Summer isn't fun when you're hungry.
5: Give me a math quiz. I'll stay after class. I'll clean the chalkboard. I wish I was in school.
0: If your child relies on free school lunches, we can help provide them with free meals this summer. Together, we're Feeding America.
2: To find your local Feeding America food bank, visit feedingamerica.org slash summer meals. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council.
1: Back live in the Student Rec Center here on the campus of UC Riverside. Pre-game show, Darren Preston with you. It is our Big West opener tonight. Always a big night across the country, not just with the Anteaters and Highlanders, but conference opener. UC Riverside seven and seven. They are three and one here in Riverside this year. UC Irvine three and eleven overall, one and seven in true road games. Head coach Doug Oliver answering a couple of questions about. The Big West opener. All right, Coach. Uh, Happy New Year. We had a shoot-around today getting ready for Occidental here. All right, well, Coach, uh, last time in Bakersfield, I wish you Happy New Year, but it's really the new year tonight, uh, such an exciting time, brand-new season. Is that the way you look at it with the start of Big West play?
0: Yeah, we did. I mean, uh, I was uh, disappointed after the Bakersfield loss, only in that we played so well against a really good SC team, and to come out and fall fall behind quickly in the first quarter and never really get any traction it was disappointing to me. But, you know, I, I sort of took the high road with the kids when we got back uh, to town, and we had a little team meeting in the locker room, and said, "Hey, this non-conference is over. It's behind us, and we conference is what it's all about. So it is a new season, and it starts." And everyone is excited. You could tell the kids in preparation were excited, uh, listening and talking to some of the coaches around the nation that are friends of mine. Everyone sees it as a new, a new chance to get started. And the games actually usually get more competitive. We know what they do; they know what we do over the years, and so it should be fun tonight. You know, and we, we were talking
1: off the air at last game how you know uh, UC Riverside, Long Beach State, Hawaii. It might be. Uh, Right now, uh, um, maybe the team's the beat, but what, what puts the Anteaters uh, in that conversation now that we, uh, we have a new season ahead of us? How do the Anteaters uh, compete in the Big West this year?
0: Well, hopefully uh, I, are, we're healthy. I mean, uh, it's, uh, Mokun will start to, tonight. She hasn't you know, been on the floor for a few games or since Christmas time, and so she'll be on the floor. Hopefully she's rested and give us some, uh, a little spark. Uh, not tonight, but on Saturday, we're, uh, we're hopeful that Andy Ritter gets her start—or not. Start, she may not start, but her chance to play and be uh, in uniform for the Anteaters. So we're—Shireen uh, seems to be uh, almost at 100% from her rib injury. So we're healthy, and that—and that gives us—that gives us some hope to start with, where we can line up with the depth needed to to battle in conference. But-
1: That was head coach Doug Oliver, a couple little sound bites from him talking about the Big West opener tonight. And if you caught it, very excited to announce that uh – Andy Ritter is getting very close to some action here for the Anteaters. We were hopeful for the Bakersfield game. We're even more hopeful for tonight. It doesn't look like that's going to happen, but now we're extremely hopeful for some minutes on Saturday at 2 o'clock against Cal Poly. This is going to be an impact player for this program. Andy Ritter, a great shooter. Maybe a starter at the 2 ultimately with Ray Lynn son at the 1. We'll see how it all plays out. But uh, Andy Ritter... Uh, Getting very close from what we understand, and that's great news. And you also heard Coach Oliver talk about uh, the return tonight of the leading rebounder and scorer for the Anteaters, Mokun Pajemison, nine points a game, 8.3 rebounds. And, of course, the incredible impact she's had on the Anteater program defensively with 20 block shots uh, this year at the top of the Big West. And you know about what she did last year with 54 block shots. That was an all-time top-five number. In the history of UC Irvine uh, single-season basketball, so Mokun Jemison look for her back in the lineup, and we think in a starting role tonight for the Anteaters. Coming in three and eleven, Highlanders seven and seven. Top two scores in the Big West: Rajan Varen from Guadeloupe, Brittany Crane, Big West Player of the Year last year, seventeen point nine and seventeen point six respectively. Varen went for a double double against top twenty California recently going to be a tall order, but one, the editors, uh know very well. These two programs know each other very well, and let's see if they can uh, put it together as the Big West opens up tonight. Doubleheader tonight on this floor. The men's game will be up at 8 o'clock. Cal State Fullerton men here to take on UC Riverside, so that's why one of the reasons why we're going early on this ESPN3 telecast. Also for this women's game beginning at 5 o'clock. Let's take our second and final pregame timeout for the National Anthem when we come back the starting five. UC Irvine, visiting UC Riverside open up Big West Play on 88.9 FM, KUCI.
2: Hi, hon. I thought you were coming home early. Yeah. What's the matter? What happened?
0: And I realized today just how much I really love you.
5: What do you mean?
3: I almost got killed today. Oh, my God. I was rushing home to catch the game.
0: There was a train coming. I thought I could beat it. Oh, I, really? I was just about to go around the gate. Something made me slam on the brakes. Oh, God. coffee, went everywhere.
2: I'm so glad you're all right.
0: Uh, wasn't worth the risk. Never see you again. Never smell your hair.
5: I don't even say that.
0: Never see you walk. I love you. Oh, I'm sorry. It takes a mile for a train to stop don't try to beat a train or someone you love will get hurt. Look, listen, and live. This message brought to you by Operation Lifesaver and this station.
5: Growing fresh citrus is something we've enjoyed in California for generations, but our citrus trees are at serious risk due to a disease called Huanglongbing, or HLB, that is now in California. Once a tree is infected, there is no cure. To learn more about what you can do to save your citrus, visit CaliforniaCitrusThreat.org. Or call the California Department of Food and Agriculture hotline at 800-491-1899.
2: A public service from the Citrus Pest and Disease Prevention Program.
1: Whoa, a digital music player. Thanks, Mom.
2: Glad you like
5: it. We can finally toss out that old massive stereo. Mom, you can't just throw out electronics.
2: They need to be recycled or donated.
4: Recycled? Like aluminum cans?
2: Yeah, you just go to greenergadgets.org, enter your zip code, and it tells you where the nearest certified recycling center is.
4: Um,
5: I knew that.
0: Okay, Mom. Recycling electronics is as easy as buying them. Log on to greenergadgets.org to find electronics recycling options near you.
1: Back live, starting lineup time here for the Big West opener. UC Irvine on the road to begin conference play, taking on the UC Riverside Highlanders, 3-11 visiting 7-7, but it's a brand-new year as far as we're concerned. Start off conference play tonight. First one out is going to be Mackenzie Piper, number one. Six-foot junior forward out of Iowa City, Iowa, by way of the University of Illinois. Uh, second one out is gonna be seven. number eleven. Raylan Chung Sun, the point guard, 82 assists this year. Number 5-4 senior guard out of San Francisco. Seven. Taylor Jackson, the lady in the middle, 6-3 freshman out of Surrey, British Columbia.
0: Number 13.
1: Next one, Irene Chavez, she'll start at the two. Irene, 5'3", junior guard out of San Jose, back-to-back.